1% Better is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. Colts only got a couple of home games left, people, so you're talking about the Tennessee Titans this weekend and the Carolina Panthers in a couple of weeks. If you want to take advantage of these offers from GameTime, only a couple opportunities remaining. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or Apple Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, your 1% Better crew. And this is a little bit different podcast. Uh, we aren't recapping a game. We aren't looking forward to a game. We're actually doing something a little bit different. It's uh, sort of our decade-ending episode here. Uh, we're unveiling this week at The Athletic our uh, all-decade teams for all of the teams that we cover. So, uh, Zach and I, being your Colts reporters, we, we took a look back over the 2010s, which are coming to a close here, and wanted to kind of put together an all-decade team. So, Zach, this was a fun exercise, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what what was the, your takeaway from doing this exercise? Because for me, it was like, man, this decade had some of the best and some of the worst in franchise history. <laughs> but what was right. your takeaway? Right. So- Fans out there can 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 empathize. So look, like the weird thing about doing an all-decade team is 2010 to 2019 is we had a huge shift in the eras of the Indianapolis Colts. That everything mm-hmm. ended for me in a lot of ways in, in 2011, right? The entire Manning days, and this, it wasn't just Manning; it was all of his friends. It was Jeff Saturday, it was Dallas Clark, it was all those guys. You know, for so many, the page was turned and it started anew. So it's hard. Does Jeff Saturday belong on the all decade team? You know, does, right. you know, and it wasn't just Jeff Saturday because obviously Ryan Kelly has a great case. But for me, it was the two different eras, one ending very early in the decade and then the new one starting, although the Colts had some issues getting really things going. And you'll see that in some of the picks. I mean, and I went through and did the offense, and there's a lot of no brainers on there, right? T.Y. Hilton, Andrew Luck, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Costanzo on the left side. Then, I mean, Try and pick a right guard, you know, try and pick a right <laughs> tackle. It, it was it was difficult at times. So uh, but it was fun because on offense, at least there's a lot of there's a lot of firepower. Right. I agree. So let's just jump right in. So you mentioned the uh, the quarterback. I mean, look, we start there because that's that's the position that always matters most. So we started. That was the easiest one to pick. It really was. Uh, so drum roll. No, not really. Your quarterback was Zach. Yeah, it was Andrew Luck. It's it's weird to write down his career lasted from 2012 to 2019. <laughs> that's what happened. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, pretty easy one. I, I tell you what, though, I still, as someone who grew up in South Florida, I've said this before on the podcast, I'll say it again. As someone who grew up in South Florida watching the Dan Marino era, you know, that was my childhood. And then Dan Marino retires uh, and the Dolphins, like, still don't have a quarterback. Like 20 years later, yeah. man. Okay. So yeah. let me just tell you people out there. Okay. You don't understand how rare this is. Okay. To go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. Lightning struck twice, people. Okay. That's, that's, there's no other way to put it. Lightning struck twice. And the twice. one thing that, 
that doesn't get mentioned enough was how Luck handled everything. He never brought up Peyton's name. He never tried to be Peyton. He handled it in his own way. And he's kind of hinted to me before that that, that was really difficult, right? To just sure. come in and, and and fill those shoes. And he was very appreciative of Jim Irsay for not making him feel like he needed to be Peyton Manning 2.0. Because these guys are really different. There's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Personality-wise, you know this from talking to Peyton over the years and then from covering Andrew so mm-hmm. closely for so many years. These guys are really, really different. Um, and I think they were both great in their own ways. And Luck, at his best, was a hell of a player. I'm not breaking any news there. It was really fun to cover that guy because every Sunday, whether he was healthy or not, there was some incredible in him. And he would often pull off ridiculous wins with really bad teams. I mean, he carried a team with Boom Heron as a starting running back to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> Boom Heron. No offense <laughs> to Boom Heron, but come on. He won 11 games about? in a row. Three years in a row, what? two of those years with Trent Richardson as a starting running back. I was going to say. I mean, that what, should put him in the Hall of Fame alone, right? I was going to say, you're, you're disrespecting Trent Richardson there. To, you know, making am. it all about Boom Heron. Come on. I am. I am. <laughs> but no, luck was – I think the questions will be in this – we could talk for an hour and we won't. But the questions will be always, what could he have done with yep. this offensive line right now if he would have played with them his entire career or the first five years of his career? One, his body would be in much better shape. And what could he have done with a Frank Reich as a head coach for a longer period of time? Because those are the what-ifs we're left with. Because, you know, 171 touchdowns and seven seasons and 53 wins, that's great. But it's always going to feel incomplete when you think about Andrew Luck because of what happened in August. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, So let's tackle the offensive line just briefly here. Uh, Left tackle. Anthony Costanzo, I think, I mean, he was the only left tackle in in this decade, basically. Slam dunk. One One of the most underappreciated players of the last decade for this team, I think. Totally agree. Uh, He's a free agent this year. Uh, I don't think they should think too hard about that one. I think resign the guy on a short-term deal, make it happen, Chris Ballard. It's the only option. Uh, Left guard. Right. Listen, this guy's been here for a year and a half, but uh, pretty easy call on Quentin Nelson, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's... No disrespect to Kyle Devan and Joe Wrights and Jack Muhort and Jerry, <laughs> Jeremy Vujinovich. No, no, it's okay to disrespect them. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you get, I mean, look, Quentin Nelson changed the whole damn team the minute he arrived. He was the first guard picked in the first round in 34 years, and he was absolutely worth it. Fans out there know how much this guy's changed the backbone of this team. It's, it's now an offensive line-based squad. He's. You just wish he would have played longer with luck, right? Because this guy... Um, he's made running the football cool. He's made offensive guard highlights go viral. I mean, Quentin Nelson, this was an easy pick, even for a guy who's only played a season and a half. So Ryan Kelly, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Jeff Saturday, maybe at first thought makes sense, but I I think this is the right call here. I mean, uh, I think what he's done to kind of establish himself as, as a Saturday light, maybe, you know, I think has been... Has been pretty pretty good for this team, and that stability at center, man, is pretty important. I think um, just what's he brought? Do you feel like just the last? The yeah, few I mean, years you remember, there. you remember those early yeah. years when it was this guy at center, this guy at center. They just couldn't find stability at that position, and and there were issues. There were bad snaps. There were games lost because of those plays. Ever since he's been here, Ryan Kelly's been um, just an absolute beast of a center i mean he's he's not reached the pro bowl yet but i think he's having a pro bowl season this year Probably he doesn't get as much pub yeah 
he doesn't get as much pub because Nelson gets all the pub. But um, outside of a few injuries, Kelly's been exceptional at center, and he has solidified that spot in a way that it was a huge headache before he got here. Um, and I just think his body of work is, is four years now, four seasons. I think that was enough to push him over Jeff Saturday. No offense to Jeff Saturday, six-time Pro Bowler, out, you know, the best center this team's ever had. He was absolutely a rock during the Peyton Manning era. But in this decade, I'm going with Ryan Kelly. Yeah, I agree. So now uh, let's go to the right side. So right guard, we've got Mark Lewinsky and right tackle Ryan Dean. Uh, those yeah. were those were tougher choices, right? Because I mean that that's been where yeah. I think the lack of competition has been. It's been on the right side in large part. Um, I don't know, Glowinski. How? I mean, you made that decision. Look, that's on how that I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Look, you got Denzel Good, you got Hugh Thornton, you got Mike McGlynn, and Mike Pollock. The Colts have not had good right guards. That's the reality. I took Glowinski because he's played well the last season and a half, and he's the guy they're banking on for the future. But this is one of those picks you just have to make because someone's got to be the right guard. I thought about leaving <laughs> blank, but I don't want to disrespect Glowinski. With the right tackle spot, it's a little bit of the same. Uh, I went with Ryan Dean because at his peak, he was really good. Now it's the same as Jeff Saturday. His best days were played in the decade before. Um, but we're talking about, you know, Gazer Cherilis was really good for one season, and then he got hurt. Joe Wright's filled in ably, but he wasn't an all-decade player. Um, so I'm going with Ryan Dean because you can't argue at how good he was during his peak, but it's just weird timing, and, and, and I just wasn't ready to give it to Braden Smith. He's been good at right tackle, but he's also been beat a lot the last couple of weeks, and that's cost the Colts, and it just didn't feel right putting him on an all-decade team. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I mean, look, Brayden Smith's not even really a right tackle. He just kind of became one. So, you know, that yeah. that is – Yeah. It remains to be seen whether that stays the way it is. I It probably does, but, but there – I hear from people quite often who's, who wonder if maybe he should be a guard. So whatever. It, the point is, I think Ryan Dean makes more sense there because, uh, you know, he just looked like he belonged at that spot. And other guys have maybe left a lot of questions about that. So uh, this one was fun. Wide receiver. So they've had a little bit of talent there and only a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When I say a little yeah. bit, I mean a little bit. So we've got T.Y. Hilton and Reggie Wayne. I uh, love them both. I tell you, pretty easy yeah. calls there. Easy, easy, easy picks. T.Y. speaks for himself. I mean, let's just like read through this real quick. I mean, four pro balls, led the league in receiving. He's the second fastest Colt ever to reach 5,000 yards, and that's second behind Marvin Harrison. So he did it before Reggie Wayne did it. I think T.Y. is absolutely a ring of honor guy. I don't think we're appreciating how good he has been. I agree. And he's still got plenty of good football in him. Uh, Reggie's an easy call as well, and I know he didn't play – as many years in this decade as he did the previous one. But look, his role in shifting from the Jim Caldwell era to the Chuck Pagano era was enormous. And I will never forget how big he was in that 2012 season. So many new faces, rookie quarterback, rookie coach. Reggie was the backbone. I mean, Reggie was the guy that helped bridge those two eras, Manning to Luck. He was monstrous in that game against the Packers a couple of years ago in 2012. And that's, you know, that was a signature game of that year when Chuck Pagano got sick. So um, easy call, without a doubt, one of the most popular Colts ever, and that's Reggie Wayne. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I just want to, you know, sort of reiterate what you said on T.Y. I mean, he is, he's going to go down. He's one of the greatest Colts ever. Think about that. I mean, this guy, they got, you know, third round pick out of FIU, 
who yeah. clearly very few people even knew anything about when they got him. This guy's going to go down in the annals as one of the greatest Colts in history. And I just think that is a remarkable feat, uh, given his his diminutive size, uh, given the assumptions when he came out that he was just a speed player, all of those things. He's overcome all of that to become one of the most complete wide receivers in the NFL. And I just think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that. Probably doesn't get enough. We kind of, you know, we, we end up taking players for granted when we when we're around them. Yeah, for a long I think time. Ty is a good example of that. Yeah, no question. Now, I think tight end is so interesting because they've had some productive tight ends over this decade. But yeah, Jack Doyle's the guy here, and it's not even a he's the guy. It's an easy call, in spite of the fact that he's the one guy they didn't spend any time and effort to acquire. He was just a waiver claim they got out right. the Tennessee roster like seven years ago and here he is (laughs) amazing story jack doyle man what would jack doyle do i mean you think about it you got kobe fleener second round pick you got Dwayne allen third round pick you go out you spend a lot of money on eric ebron and ebron had a terrific year in 2018 but you know talking to some people at the colts like this is a no-brainer it's jack doyle man he's he's just been one of the most reliable consistent productive players on this team over the last decade this is an easy decision i mean frank gore who, by the way, is third all-time in rushing past Barry Sanders yesterday. Frank Gore told us one day, you know, he's one of the best teammates I've ever had. That's Jack mm-hmm. Doyle he's talking about. So that really says it all. Um, just from a – he's just a complete tight end, and he's he's a favorite among his teammates, and he deserves a spot on this team because he's, he's really been one of the most consistent, steady, reliable guys this team has had in a long, long time. Yeah, and when you get the, the Frank Gore seal of approval, then, I mean – that basically speaks for itself, as we right, all know. Right. So, uh, speaking of Frank Gore, let's go to running back. <laughs> so, you mentioned the Boom Heron and Trent Richardson era earlier. I thought that I had you know very fond memories of that era, but uh, yeah, they yeah, didn't this make one my was team. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's Gore, um, and look, this was tough because Marlon Max really come on late and been fantastic the last year and a half. I think he's in he's in year three. But it's got to be Gore because the production was there and he was the answer they had at running back at a time when they needed someone to come in and be the running back because they had gone through the nightmare that was Trent Richardson and those 1.2 yards per carry. The Boom Heron era, I mean, they they just shuffled through and they could never find an answer at running back. Before that, I thought about Donald Brown and the Colts fans out there remember him. He was mm. a better player than a lot of people remember him as. Yes, he was a first-round pick and he probably didn't live up to that stature, but he was a solid player and he lasted and, and it was like, oh, Donald Brown, like you can always, he was always there and he was always, you know, he always found a way to be relevant, always found a way to, to be productive. Um, but Frank Gore's the answer here. Yeah, it was interesting. Donald Brown was interesting because at the end of his career is when he kind of saw this little brief resurgence. But yeah, the, the the toughest thing about Donald Brown was always the fact that he was a first round pick and that was always like a scarlet letter for him almost. But, right. but I agree. Right. Frank Gore was what they needed him to be. Never was going to have one of those Marlon Mack home runs. But but I think in terms of consistency, you always knew you were going to get something that's going to move the chains. And just, you know, availability, longevity, all of that matters. So, yeah, I love that pick. Uh, we'll move yeah. on to defense in a, in a second here. Um, <clears throat> just uh, going in order of how I've got these set up here. Uh, let's do the specialist real quick. Uh, so, kicker. <laughs> it's a very interesting time to talk about place kicker. But uh, they've only had one place kicker this decade. And yeah. his name's Adam Vinatieri. Let's uh, remove 2019 from yeah. the from the yeah. um, 
from the records and it's it's an easy easy choice but no he's i mean he's got all the stats in the world he's he's made several game winners he's made seven during this span during this decade um those have been big moments it's easy easy call easy call on the punter as well you know before he was a big star on social media and on espn (laughs) every week pat mcafee was a really really good punter uh and he he changed the way the colts attack teams on special teams it wasn't just the onside kicks when he punted and he he helped them win the field position battle and he was he was a really fun punter to watch and for a returner, I went to T.Y. Hilton. I mean, if I'm picking the best guys they had at each position, uh, this is a fictional team. I don't have to put them out there and risk injury. I'm going T.Y. <laughs> Hilton as a return man. Remember early in his career, he returned punts, returned kicks, had some touchdowns. Um, you just want your best athletes out there, and T.Y. was an easy pick there. Yeah, so I just want to uh, hit on a couple things re- real quick here on the specialist. I think punter, it's, it's interesting. I won't say this to Pat because he doesn't need any help in getting a bigger head, but <laughs> but <laughs> I will say this. Pat McAfee was one of the Colts' best players when he was here. He was literally one of their best players. I, I don't think we yep. think about punters in those terms, but he was. Between the onside kicks, uh, his ability to to pin the opponent deep in their own territory. And- He's a weapon. Yeah, wow, he was a absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, that, I have never seen a guy so consistent on onside kicks to the point where Chuck Pagano, Mister Never Take a Risk, okay, Mister Play It Safe and Trust Your Defense, he was he got to the point where he was like, "Damn it, give me the onside kick," and they were doing it like all the time. I mean, you when you think about who the coach was making that decision, that should tell you just how much of a weapon Pat McAfee was. So, and uh, the fact but, that the punter was one of the best players on the team that well, tells you where the roster story. was at during a lot of the years <laughs> McAfee was here. And Pat would speak to that as well. Yeah, he might have some thoughts on that. I think, uh, in fact, he would have a lot of thoughts on that. So, anyhow, right. uh, and and obviously Adam, listen, I think after this year is over, he's going to be very fondly remembered. I think people will be mature enough. I hope fans will be mature enough to look past what happened this year uh, as frustrating as it has been. And I share those frustrations. I understand it, but, uh, but I think people will put it in the proper perspective and he'll, and he's got a chance to not, not completely wash away the sins of the first half of the season. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a fact. There's games that were lost because of kicking, but there's a chance to do good down the line. And if we know the Colts, they're going to have some close games. Vinny has kicked better the last couple of weeks. No one's talking about it. Um, but I think he could go a long way if he made a couple of game winners and got them into the playoffs. I mean, that would change things too. But it's been very, very, very rough going the last 10 or 11 weeks. Yeah. So let's flip over to defense. Uh, it, some interesting interesting uh, conversations here. So obviously two pass rushers, two edge guys. That was easy. I, I think even, yeah. even despite – uh, Dwight Freeney, uh, it's obviously Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. And even despite Freeney only playing here, you know, a couple of years in this decade, I thought he was still productive enough early as in his career. When you when you sort of contrast that versus the lack of production over the other edge players they've had in recent years, he had to be there. Right. There's no question about it. And and obviously Robert Mathis. I mean, Robert's best season of his career was in this decade. Don't forget. All right. Dude, he he, he it's still to this day irks some members of the Colts staff. He didn't win Defensive Player of the Year that year in 2013. He was a monster, yeah. 19 and a half sacks. Without a doubt, the best defensive player this team had this decade was Robert Mathis. Yeah, and I think 
it's interesting. You know, we've watched Justin Houston this year have a pretty decent year, but you know, I think what eight or nine sacks, which is which is great, right? And they haven't had a guy as consistent as he's been for a while. But then you can you contrast that against what Freeney and Mathis did, and it's really it starts to become clear, man, just how far and away those guys were from the pack and were from from what's right. typical out there. Those guys right. were in another right. stratosphere, man. And it's so hard to duplicate it. The Colts have never been able to duplicate what they've had there. They they never will be, most likely. I mean, that is just such a such a such an out there combination that we may never see it again. But but it, just to get one of those guys, much less two of them, okay, right. was really, really right. tough. So uh so we had to pick a couple interior Defensive lineman. I'm not gonna lie. This was hard, man. This is an area. Yeah, I don't think they had. I no can't imagine talent. you had a lot of nominees that were really enticing. No, I mean, look. So I went with Corey Redding, and look, I was gonna, I'm gonna say this kind of giggling, but Henry Anderson, and <laughs> that one, look, Anderson was a was a potential pick, right? That was one where it's like, okay, he flashed. He was probably the most talented they've had, but or one of the most talented, but he he was always injured and didn't really have the production, so. I don't know. I didn't feel great about that pick, but I didn't feel good about any of the other candidates either. So, I, Henry I Anderson played some good football for the Colts, he and he was a casualty of the scheme change under Chris Bowd and Matt Eberflus. Corey Redding played some really good football for the Colts as well, and he was instrumental in that turnaround in 2012. And and he was a good locker room guy. And, and, and to be honest, they just haven't had very many great nose tackles. I mean, Al Woods was good as well, but... I like the pick for Redding. I do. Yeah. And, and look, he was his role and his contribution went further than just uh, what he did on the field. I think, you know, he was one of he was one of Chuck Pagano's first phone calls after he got right. the job here in free agency. He called Corey Redding because, you know, it's a guy he had coached and it's a guy he knew could come in and sort of galvanize a, a locker room that was in transition. That was really important. So I think Corey Redding took that role seriously. And I think most people in that building have fond memories of of his contributions in Indianapolis. So so three linebackers. Uh, we'll start with Darius Leonard, right? That one you could probably predict. Uh, Jarrell Freeman, right. who I think another little bit of an underrated player here. And then Dequel yeah. Jackson, uh, who you know spent three years on the roster and had tons of tackles. I think led him in tackles each year. So. Darius, I don't think I need to explain this, right? <laughs> but I, I think Darius, yeah. and let me know your thoughts on this. He'll be on the next decade team, too. I can, yeah, damn I, right. I, I can promise you that. <laughs> I think with Darius Leonard, the thing about him, you can give me your thoughts, but I, I think it's more than just the playmaking. It is the playmaking, and that's the main reason he's on here. But it, it, I think it's just it's that juice and that attitude that he brings. I yeah. Yeah. I think he just brings something that you can't necessarily measure. Do you sense that with Darius? Do you see it when That's he's a, out there? It's, it's a tangible thing. I see it in warmups, and I, I feel it in the locker room before practice. And it's it's just flat out fun to watch Darius Leonard play football because you can see a guy that's literally doing the number one thing that he loves to do. And it's going to be fun to watch him grow over the next couple of years because he's got everything to be an all-pro, pro-bowler guy every year. And you're totally right about that juice. I mean, it's one of those cliches Frank Reich leans on, but Darius Leonard is literally dripping in juice every time he plays. He's got so much energy, and it's infectious. And this defense has played pretty well the last month, and it's not a coincidence that he's come back into the fold after that three-game absence he had due to the concussion. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely – 
it definitely coincides with I think with his return. And so just, you know, to sum up uh, Jarrell Freeman and Dequell Jackson, I, I think, you know, uh, they were guys who fit the scheme. Certainly, that's why they were here. But, you know, Jarrell Freeman, I think, does deserve a lot of credit. He's a guy who came from the CFL. You know, undrafted out of the NFL, excuse me, undrafted out of college, uh, goes to the CFL, comes from a tiny, tiny school in Texas. Uh, yeah. What, what the hell was the name of that school? Mary uh, Hardin? Mary Hart, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't make that up. That's a real thing. So anyhow, this guy, you talk about a self-made man. A self-made man is Jarrell Freeman, a guy who, who came in and and found a spot and in his very first game had a pick six, by the way. So he, you know, he came onto the scene and I think had a, had two years in a row. We had 145 tackles and the next year, 144. And then finally Dequel Jackson, a little bit like Corey Redding, you know, a guy who was great leader, uh, gave some key contributions on the field and, you know, kind of ran out of gas at the end, like Corey did, uh, you know, just father time. So, Good dude, though. Good yes. dude. Uh, Dequil Jackson to, was, without a doubt, one of the best guys to talk to in the locker room. I still talk to, to, to excuse me, Dequel Jackson uh, to this day. We still exchange texts. He's uh, he's the real deal. I like him a lot. Uh, so the the secondary, it's interesting here. Um, yeah, this there's, is difficult. There's old and new on here. So let's start with the two corners. I went with Vontae Davis and Kenny Moore. and I like those picks. Yeah. I, I do. I think that Vontae, first of all, Vontae, despite how it ended, that was a He's great absolutely exposition. absolutely on this list. He was the best corner this team had yeah. during this decade. It's not I close. mean, there were days where he was the best player on the field for the Colts. Yeah. And I go back to that was, 2014 was, as, as divisional wrote, playoff game. He was, he was Grigson's best signing. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was. By a long shot. Yeah, that game you mentioned in Denver. I mean, he was he – was, he was lights out against the Broncos, and that was a huge win in the in the in the Chick Pagano era. Uh, this move to get Vontae Davis should be literally the first line on Ryan Grixon's resume because he needs to offset a lot of the other stuff on there. But <laughs> but this should be the first line on his resume. Right. To his credit, second round gave up a second round pick, gets him a former first round pick who plays for them for five seasons, six seasons, and was you know, probably their best defensive player for most of that stretch. So that's uh that's good. Two work. Pro Bowls, lockdown yeah. corner in a really tough scheme for cornerbacks. Yeah, he was he was the real deal before the injuries and the headaches and the yeah disagreements with the um coaching staff and management, we'll put it lightly, but uh, it didn't end well for Vontae in Indianapolis or in Buffalo when he quit on his team at halftime. <laughs> that's right. But at his peak, Vontae Davis was a was a hell of a cornerback. I agree. So I, I threw Kenny Moore on here because listen, I, I just they've never had a corner like Kenny Moore. I mean, Kenny Kenny can do it right. all. And I just think the uniqueness of his game and you know, that's evidenced by the fact that they gave him a contract extension of, you know, a fairly valuable one pretty early when they didn't have to. It tells you it speaks, I think, to his value. So uh Kenny's very been, timely pick with how he played Thursday night oh, in Houston. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kenny uh Kenny's gonna be a good player for a long time. Uh, now, safety was was interesting. Um, they've had a lot of bust at safety. <laughs> okay, yeah, they've had the likes of uh, Laron Landry in free agency and TJ Green. Oh, but Laron oh, Landry, remember that? <laughs> but uh, Laron Landry, who who had a pet monkey, I don't know what that says about him. But oh. uh, anyway, that's worst true. guy to talk to. 
<laughs> it wasn't much of a conversation. <laughs> so Malik Hooker and Antoine Bethea were my choices. And, uh, well, I'll, what, what are your reactions there? You agree? My reaction is no Clayton Gathers. Yeah, it's a tough one. It was a tough one. Um, so here's my thing. He's more of a strong safety. And I just think Antoine... I just think Antoine had had a lot of big plays for this team. You could go either way. You could make an argument either way. No question about well, it. Well, Antoine Bethea is a better player. Yeah, he is. But, I um, think he is. But, you know, Gathers has been here longer during this decade if you wanted to get that game. The great thing about Antoine Bethea, that dude is still in the He's league. Still He's playing. still making plays. He was on the cold Super Bowl winning team in 2006. <laughs> I mean, that's how long he's done this. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, this guy he came into the league in 2006. That, so that was... That he was, was a rookie, rookie year. on the team that won it all. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, so... Uh, it's him know, and Vinatieri is, from that team left in the NFL. Yeah. He has... You talk about longevity and just um, instincts and, you know, playmaking ability. Yeah, he did it all. And then Malik... Malik can be frustrating sometimes because he can be so good and then he can be, at times, also invisible. But, but I think he is, over time, I think, going to be... Uh, a really outstanding player. I think he already is, but but look, it wasn't a slam dunk. As good as he is, it wasn't a slam dunk. But I think, I think just in terms of elite talent, he's an elite yeah. talent, you know. And that's kind of what got him on here. Maybe not his resume, but just his ability. He he clearly is an elite talent, but it doesn't always show up. So it's a little bit frustrating. Tough sometimes. call. That's a tough call there. It yeah, is. And Malik it is. Malik absolutely could be a fantastic pro. It's just. Injuries have been a hiccup, and he's, you know, he's he, he mixes brilliance with a missed tackle here and there. And so it's just been, you know, it's it hasn't been the three years that I think he wants it to be, but he's also shown a lot of potential, and it. it'll be interesting to see how the next five games play out for him and then the next couple seasons because he's, he's you know, he's a first-round pick. Yeah, and I just for the record, I do love Clayton Gathers, and I think we all do. Um, but you know, he's had the same challenge that Malik has had, which is you know staying healthy, and so that's all that's played a role in you know him being able to be as effective as he wants as well. So you know, there's lots of they all have their their challenges, I suppose. So so anyhow, uh, that's the team. That's the team. It's uh, it's been an interesting decade. I think you said it best at the top, just uh, the transition. And I think it was so interesting to to measure or compare, you know, some of the the picks from the previous era with those in the current era. And right, I think it it shows you. Look, I mean, both teams have holes. <laughs> okay, they had some holes. Yeah, earlier in the decade, and they currently have some holes. And you know, some choices were harder than others. So uh, it just tells you. The other thing that I take away from this is just how fluid the NFL is and and the NFL moniker of not for long is so, so true. I mean, talk about, you know, even some of the the greats, I mean, how quickly you're forgotten uh, to the point where we have to, you know, go back and like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy, you know, that happens. Right. Uh, It it really, really is a not for long type of league, man. It just, this just reinforces it right here for me. So I I think that uh, what for you was the hardest pick? Do you have a on the right side of the Dolphins. line? Yeah, yeah. Um, simply because there weren't any great picks. I mean, a lot of the picks were made for me, right? I mean, you don't yeah. you don't have to spend a lot of time worrying about wide receiver. You don't have to spend a lot of time worrying about quarterback. But like, 
when you look at, and I went back and looked at all the different starters they had at right guard and right tackle, and it's like, ugh. Oh, yeah, him. Oh, yeah, him. Like, even going back at center before they had Ryan Kelly in the first round in 2016, it's like, oh, yeah, Jonathan Harrison and Colin Holmes. It's like, gosh, they – yeah. It's So, it's – that was all the fan frustrations out there regarding the offensive line for all those years were manifested in the picks I had to make on the offensive line. And that's why four of the current starters are on the all-decade team. It's because amazing. this is the best offensive line they've had since – the late 2000s, you know, before the uh, the end of the Manning era. So that was, yeah, that was tough. And it does make you appreciate a couple guys, you know, in a, in a huge way. And that's T.Y. Hilton and that's Jack Doyle. And just for being as consistent and as productive as long as they've been. Those two jumped out to me. Easy picks. Yeah. So so this was fun. This was definitely fun. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily easy in some instances as as Jack, excuse me as Zach pointed out but but definitely gives you a little bit of perspective on the decade so so check this out in the athletic we'll have uh certainly a wrap-up of all of this as well as all of our beats are doing this so I think this is going to be a potentially fun read you could probably do this for hours on our site this week yeah so, and I'd so- love to hear if anyone disagrees, bring it on. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to hear what you guys have to say because you guys have watched all the games as well. Absolutely. So, you know, we're talking about a 10-year span here. So there's lots of room for disagreement, and that's good. That's what this is all about. So this is just two men's opinion. So uh, we are always welcome to other opinions. So, hey, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been our all-decade team. Just a little bit of a, a bonus podcast for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, uh, no better time than now. Lots of specials running. Uh, probably a Black Friday special, I think, maybe. Uh, waiting for those details. So check us out. And uh, you can get our discount at theathletic.com slash 1% better. That's O-N-E, 1% better. So that is an exclusive discount for you, our faithful listeners. So again, thank you for listening. I'm Stephen Holder, Jack Kiefer, and this is 1% better. <laughs>